The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Her Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, principal at Top Sales Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Her Strings, Maria Ritan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up today, we're talking Oscars and we're talking retail. Kohl's is taking the Oscar challenge. A little article I read from... Sarah Mahoney, she's the first to report that uh, Kohl's is taking over from J.C. Penney, actually replacing J.C. Penney as the Oscar uh, event retail sponsor. And the reason is they're trying to connect with young women. Uh, it's very interesting. We know retail in general is down, it's a little bit depressed, and we know the Oscars tends to be the red carpet event of the year. So you can bet that Kohl's is, um, you know, billing out quite a number of dollars to become the sponsor of this. So what they're doing is they're offering a Facebook-based game that lets viewers cast their votes, challenge friends, and then watch how well they've predicted the Oscar winners all to win Kohl's gift cards, DVDs, and Oscar um, memorabilia. And the grand prize, of course, you guessed it, a red carpet trip to the 2017 Oscars. It's called the Coles Official Oscar Challenge. And uh, the intent is um, to try to connect with young women in a way that many of their merchandise just simply has not. We know that celebrity endorsers like Jennifer Lopez and Lauren Conrad um, have clothing lines there. And, you know, Coles has a little bit of everything, including baby clothes and sneakers. And so it'll be interesting to see um, if Coles is really aligned with the Oscars, um, even Coles itself uh, is a little bit uh, questioning this, or at least people that are, are watching Coles, um, they're really wondering if the retailer, which is a mainstream mass retailer, uh, which is all about value, is going to really connect with viewers who are really turning in to see, um, you know, the glitz and the glamour, high-end designers, seven-figure jewelry, um, all of that that's happening on the red carpet. It seems a little bit like a retail disconnect, but for whatever reason, Coles feels like um, that they can focus on the bigger brands to get people excited and into the stores. So you might want to check it out. Um, I know you'll be watching the Oscars. You might want to see how Coles plays that and then also go on to Facebook if you want to participate and try to win your own red carpet tickets to the Oscars next year. Our first profile today is the Alpha Mom. She's a Gen Y target. Um, about 1.6 million of these women out there, college grads, married, employed full-time, parents, median, median household income of about $120,000. They're doing pretty well for themselves. They keep up with fashion. Fashion magazines help them determine the clothes that they buy. They always buy seasonal fashion, so they're not just sitting in their closets, but they're always pushing things up. They consider themselves to be the trendsetters among their friend group. And, uh, you know, they're the first among their friends, they say, to shop new stores and try new brands. And, in fact, many of their friends come to them for advice before buying. 
They dress to please themselves, they say. They like to stand out in the crowd. They're ambitious and motivated, wanting to get to the very top of their career. And uh, they like to live in the moment and take advantage of life. They like to experiment with new styles. They pursue uh, change because of change's sake. And they will go out of their way to shop new stores and find new, new brands. And they will switch things up um, based on quality, they say. Quality is really important to them. It's worth paying more for quality goods. Designer clothing improves people's image, they believe. And gosh, they just like owning good quality stuff. So where are they purchasing these things? Neiman Marcus is up there. Um, ironically, though, is Ikea, not necessarily known uh, for being brand-oriented or at least um, designer-oriented. Williams-Sonoma's big, Bloomingdale's, and Nordstrom. Uh, they're driving Volvo, BMW, and Volkswagen. And, uh, uh, you know, Vera Wang and Christian Dior Prada and Chanel are tops for designers for them as well. So where can you intersect with this alpha mom? She's reading a lot of magazines like Better Homes and Gardens in Style, Vogue, uh, Wired, First for Women are big for them. And then online, she's a big Amazon.com person, as most everyone is these days, as well as eBay, Travelocity, and Netflix. My guest today knows a ton about retail. As you can see, we have a theme today. It's all about retail. Kevin Quinn has uh, several decades of experience in retail, and he is a principal at Styled Retail, a leading retail consultant who drives business success for brands in the retail sector. And I'm really excited to have Kevin on today to talk about retail trends for 2016 and what he's identifying us the things to watch. So everyone stick around. Kevin Quinn joins me when First Strings returns after the break. First Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. 
Once again, here's Maria Retan. My guest today is Kevin Quinn. He's a principal at Styled Retail, and he's a leading retail consultant who drives business success for brands in the retail sector. Kevin, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Maria. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited for you to be here. And I have to be honest, um, as a former journalist, it's just in me to give all the facts. So in total transparency, Kevin, you and I are partnering together on retail clients. You bring the retail expertise while I bring the marketing expertise. And I have to say so far, I think we're a pretty fantastic combination, if I do say so myself. Uh, hopefully you agree with that. I do uh, agree if I do say so much. Awesome. You're, such a, you're such a smart man. That's one of the reasons I like you so much. Um, but I, before we get too deep into all of this, I do want people to get a sense of your experience in the retail space because um, you bring a depth of experience that's unlike uh, really anybody out there these days who are working with retail clients. So give us a little quick bio. You know, the bio part is always the most uh, boring for me, but I, I understand it's necessity. Um, again, it's a great, it's great to be on the show. I've, uh, admired, uh, you, Maria, and the show, and, uh, it's an honor to be here. You know, my background spans, uh, retail for about the last 20, 25 years. Um, it really was bred in me from a very young age. Uh, my family's been in the car industry since 1919. Uh, one of the oldest car dealerships in the state of Wisconsin. So I grew up in that environment uh, with seven other siblings and learning from my father in the car industry. And it kind of stuck with me. And um, I did marketing jobs out of uh, undergrad. And uh, in graduate school on the East Coast, I started uh, doing some interning with Nordstrom. And that really is when the bug bit me, Maria, to make that my career uh, from there, I uh, oversaw some different areas of the country uh, in their sales promotion offices and then was promoted to fashion director for a new region um, in the Great Lakes. Uh, it was the 90s, which was the heyday of Nordstrom opening stores, uh, and it was very fun. And uh, I like to say, Maria, that working for Nordstrom is like going back to graduate school for retail. Um, <laughs> and the foundations that I learned there. Uh, were pretty profound. Um, from there, I moved to New York, and I was lucky enough to work for a retail consulting company that also had its own software division, and they specifically developed software for uh, the retail industry. And uh, they had a proprietary software that, at the time, was quite revolutionary. You know, this is this is years before Salesforce.com, and they had all the major clients from. Macy's and Ralph Lauren to Bloomingdale's and smaller designers. And I was tasked at that time to run their digital imaging division, which at the time only had two clients. And that's really where I learned the nuts and bolts of uh, brick and mortar catalog and online consulting and really learning from hundreds of companies what their pain points were. And uh, from there, I actually started my own consulting business. And then, as you know, I moved back to the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, adopted a young son, and uh, started my own retail company called Styled Life. 
That was a great ride. In 2007, we were named by AOL and MSN as one of the top five retail concepts in the country. And I had that open until 2013. I've gone back to my consulting, and you and I have now partnered up on trying to help other retailers solve their pain points and try to navigate this new retail environment that is quite tricky and, uh, you know, very uh, complicated, if you will. It is. It is absolutely complicated, and, and I think each and every retailer has is in need of a custom solution uh, because it is so complex. Q4 was really tough on retailers. I think everyone knows that today. Um, now we're on the other end of it in January. In your opinion, what was the biggest barrier to resell, uh, to resell success these days? I mean, it's, it's a hard road for any retailer, but what are the biggest barriers, Kevin? I'm glad you brought up Q4 2015 because going into it, it was appearing it was going to be really ugly. It ended up being uh, retail sales were up 3% from 2014 to $626 billion. So in general, it wasn't a terrible holiday period. And I think that saved a lot of retailers um, because it is an environment now where uh, price dominates every decision or almost every decision. And when that's the lowest common denominator that you have to play by, if you will, uh, it makes it very difficult to um, engage the consumer in something other than just price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think we as consumers have gotten so used to looking for the deal, if you will. But that can't be all that consumers are looking for. What? Do you think consumers are really looking for at retail? Take the deal aside. Is, are there other things that's a predictor of success? Yes, I think I hear continuously from my clients and even my own personal shopping experiences that there are times when you're a laser shopper and you know exactly what you're looking for and you go in and you get it. But there are also times where shopping is just an activity and it's a popular activity for many people. And in that vein, newness and experiential activities really become critically important. If you know that you're going into Target and you're looking for a light bulb, the experience isn't so important. But when you're going into a mall in a different city when you're traveling and you need a reason to spend your money and you need a reason to purchase something when you might already feel that your closets are full of clothes, that's when newness and the experience and service take over. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I think we're seeing uh, in clients that we're engaging with in the Twin Cities, that they have to decide for themselves what does the experience mean for them and what type of experience can they provide their customers that's meaningful and impactful. Mm-hmm. Who, in your opinion, is doing it well, providing both that um, customer experience that you just spoke of and, and service, which are two very um, high-touch and impactful things to offer uh, consumers. Who, who out there do you think is a, a best practice standard bearer? You know, I'd answer it this way, that presently I feel that apparel companies are not getting it right. And hard goods, the furniture industry, and the accessories home goods industry is getting it right. I I walk into restoration hardware, I go into crate and barrel, I go into home good retailers, and they have vignetted everything that they sell in, in such a fashion that I can understand how that 
might apply to my life. Mm-hmm. And of course, the service in many of these stores has been heightened. And I think in general, I continue to be moved by how well that segment of retail is doing it well. Conversely, I think apparel has rested on its laurels so long that, you know, it's why Target now is embracing mannequins. You know, for their entire history, they've never had mannequins. But the consumer needs to see how this is going to work and how it's all going to be put together. And visually, I think to myself, wow, it's taken us that long, Target, to understand (laughs) how important that is. Um, I, try I know, to and, and the mannequin is such a, a standard thing, Kevin. You would think that would be a no-brainer for Target. You would, and I try not to get so in, uh, so detailed into pointing out uh, retailers who are doing it well and retailers are, that are not, but I feel strongly that uh, that segment of the home industry is really ramped up its game. You know, they really learned from the recession when people were not buying uh, for their second homes, if you will, or in that manner, you know, builders were not building new communities that, you know, they use that time, I think, wisely to sharpen their game, focus their product. Um, I see that at retail, and I think that there's mm-hmm. many other industries that could learn from that. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk a little bit about mobile because it really has changed the retail industry. Um, you know, online shopping, as online shopping did years and years ago, now mobile has really revolutionized it. Consumers can literally stand in store and shop competitors. Again, looking at price, as we already talked about, price is such a big motivator. How, in your opinion, do you navigate the use of mobile to your advantage uh, in retail today? The omni-channel aspect of retail is intimidating to a lot of retailers. It's intimidating to national retailers with a lot of resources, let alone the regional and local players that are out there. I personally saw that in my own stores, uh, to your point, Maria, that consumers are armed with so much more data that inside your store, they can actually look up brands, they can look up prices, they can look up features and benefits. They're so much more aware that you have to understand that experience for the guest needs to be much more than just, well, here's the product, this is what the price is, let me know if you want to buy it. Mm-hmm. I, I've been reading all these articles recently that are talking about how uh, over half of major retail companies still don't have, do not have an omni-channel marketing strategy. And to me, that is just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the intimidation factor that mobile brings. They're just now learning how the nuts and bolts of their online experience um, is working, and now they have a new technological platform that they need to advance. Um, And I don't have a soundbite specifically for how they're going to embrace that, but the people who are embracing it, the people who are embracing app technology and making it easier to either book a hotel room, buy a product directly from a website. Uh, that is the future of, of retail, convenience. Mm-hmm. Right, which begs the question, I mean, is the mall the place to even shop anymore? I mean, we've brick and mortar even relevant anymore. Is street retail the new location for success? I mean, if you look at the 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 spike in mobile and um, the amount of online shopping that we all do, I think it is an obvious question. What what's your thought on that? 
Well, I'm going to ask you, do you do you shop at malls regularly? Uh, well, I try not to shop very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, with two kids and a busy life, you know, shopping is for me less about pleasure and more about work, as you know, these days, because it is our business. Uh, but I will go um, to a mall for escapism. And um, I will go for a mall to a mall if I have some time to look for something, and I'm looking for something um, that I'm not really sure what it is, right? So I use it as an escape. If I want, if I know what I want, I'll go online and I'll just get it, and I won't waste the time of. And it takes a lot of time to go shop, in my opinion. So I'm very much of a list maker. I shop for very specific reasons, and then I'll go online to do that. Otherwise, if I have a little time, I need an escape, I just need to kind of clear my head, I will go shop in a mall, and I quite enjoy it for that very reason. But the shopping need is different, I guess, is the best way to explain it. I agree, Maria, and I would also say that how you parse malls is important in how you answer this, because... Um, you know, 10 years ago, this whole idea of a lifestyle center um, was all the rage. And, of course, that, I think, still is quite relevant. Many people, when they think of malls, they think of department stores. And mm-hmm. if they value the department store experience, I think the mall then equates to a, a positive um a positive feeling for them and they'll go out, they'll drive out of their way to visit a mall. If they don't have a positive experience with the department stores, you tend to find that many malls um, are just the national chains. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is really the, I think, $64,000 question in retail, that many retailers are trying to create incubators where they can find local retail, they can find those new concepts, they mm-hmm. can make it easier for those companies to have a storefront when it's so easy today to sell online, to sell on Etsy, to sell on eBay. So the the malls still have a lot of work to do, um, and I think continuing to be relevant to the consumer. I personally don't get too excited about malls, and I I venture to say, Maria, I even sometimes go out of my way not to visit a mall when Mm -hmm. there might be another option out there that might be more exciting and provide me a different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does kind of go back to that customer experience that we talked about earlier. You brought up department stores, and I think that there are fewer and fewer of them today because Macy's tends to have fought out the world. Um, these department stores are getting battered in the stock market. Uh, do you believe, because you just talked about, if you feel like the department store is relevant, you might find them all relevant. Um, what are department stores doing to combat perceptions that it is still a relevant format, or can they? I think one of the most fascinating pieces of retail today is malls and department stores understanding the value of their real estate, both the real estate that their stores sit on, which I think is fascinating because Macy's right now is thinking of spinning off the real estate in their New York, San Francisco, Chicago, and Minneapolis stores because the actual real estate is more valuable than the store. In addition, the actual real estate within the store is so valuable. And retailers today are understanding, gosh, we don't necessarily have to carry the same product as everybody else. Uh, Nordstrom embraced that two years ago when they partnered with Topshop out of London, 
and that's a leading retailer there, more in the fast fashion segment. But they brought that concept over into many of their stores across the country. They have 121 full-line stores, and I would say probably half of their stores now have a top shop, shop within a shop inside their stores. That's mm-hmm. a fresh way of thinking about your real estate, a fresh way of being relevant to a different consumer, a different target market, a different product than, you know, traditionally the, the consumer might have felt that the department store, if you will, provided. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to sound like a advertisement for Nordstrom, uh, and it's not just because I worked for them. I think it's really truly about service, and many, many retailers think that they have service down, but I tend to think that you know the the utopia and the the retailer out there that you look to for that type of uh, profound authentic service experience is still Nordstrom. Mhm. Right. And I think a lot of consumers would probably agree with you when they're talking about service and and talking about quality. We're going to take a quick break, Kevin, and when we come back, we're going to talk about luxury brands, we're going to talk about product trends. And some of the things that um, you've got your eye on as far as uh, merchandising trends for 2016. Stick around. Kevin Quinn joins me in just a moment for more. Her strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 14th Annual Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to IACAward.org. Deadline for entries is February 15th, 2016. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 14th Annual Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your entry today at IACAward.org. That's IACAward.org. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Rutan. 
Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Kevin Quinn, principal at Styles Retail, and we've been talking about trends in, oh gosh, everything you do with products, merchandising, uh, basically retail in general, and we've had a, a very active discussion about department stores and malls. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about luxury brands. I think the luxury brand today has kind of um, had a tough time. What do you think it means to be a luxury brand today, Kevin? Do you feel like luxury is losing a little bit of its luster? I personally do. I, I also think the actual word luxury is losing its luster, Maria. I think it's used so often and out of context that uh, it doesn't have the same connotation that it used to. You know, in addition, I think everyone defines luxury so differently. I, I recently I went and looked up the definition of luxury again, and I was I, I smiled when I saw it. it. It talked about a state of great comfort and extravagant living. But the irony is, during the recession, uh, luxury was also buying yourself a new lipstick or treating yourself to a Starbucks every day. It's not necessarily about a price point, but it really is about a feeling. And that feeling again, Maria, goes right back to retail has to own that experience. And luxury, the luxury industry and luxury brands, which in the past have really been about a name brand that usually are expensive, that still exists, but you can have a luxury experience in a middle-of-the-road hotel if it's done correctly. So I think the word itself is, is, is evolving, and I think what people think of luxury is evolving, and to me that is the opportunity and the challenge in retail. Mm-hmm. Well, and evolve, being able to involve uh, is what we're talking about when we look at subscription-based retail. That's certainly something that has evolved, either out of a need or someone's great idea of being very service-oriented. Um, talk a little bit about why the subscription-based retail is all about. Well, it serves its purpose. One is that many, many people do not enjoy shopping, um, and it's easy to target the male consumer and say that, but there are many active women and successful women who also uh, value the commodity of time as much as anyone. And subscription-based retail um, has honored that commodity of time. Many people are aware of Birchbox and how they would send their sample beauty products to you in the mail. But now even physical retailers, Maria, are understanding how critically important that niche is. Sephora, the beauty brand, um, has many retail locations also inside of JCPenney, and they just recently launched a new subscription-based service called Play, and Mm -hmm. it's to take on Birchbox. Nordstrom just purchased Chicago-based Trunk Club for $350 million within the last 18 months. And I think it's an acknowledgement that retail is reaching people in new ways. We talked Mm -hmm. about mobile. We certainly know about online. Subscription-based retail is exciting and different. Uh, and this also provides an experience for the guests that, you know, they're excited about getting that box or, or getting that uh, package and looking in it and finding out, you know, what's, what's the prize this month. That brings back an exciting experiential element to retail. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That surprise and delight 
um, that people just seem to to love. And I think it's it's coming back to that customer service too, right? Uh, great customer service surprises and delights it exceeds expectations. Um, Retail Dive quickly, is a leading website out there, and they uh, uh, they mentioned just within the last two months, sixty days, that the number of subscription-based retailers out there um, has grown from 800 to 1,200 in the last year alone. Mm. Um, That's a 50% growth rate. That's phenomenal. Yeah, Yeah, and as you you said, there's lots of reasons for that, right? Yeah. There's lots of reasons for that, and that tells you that the customer is, is valuing that retail model, and I think it's something to closely pay attention to. Yeah, exactly. And and it's not lost on me that department stores a la Nordstrom's has figured it out as well. Um, before we run out of time, let's talk quickly about product trends. You and I are just back from accessories to show in New York and Atlanta Gift Mart, one of the largest shows of its kind, of course. What are some of the trends that you saw there? I mean, I know what they are, but you need to tell the listeners. And um, how is it showing up for you? What stood out for me was color. Um that both in the fashion segment that is relevant and pretty prevalent at the Atlanta Gift Show and in product itself, that packaging and color was really profound. And this trend into more pastels, uh, I think, is feels fresh. It feels different. It looks different, even in the packaging. Of course, the pastels play out into the stones and the jewels that are in the jewelry, but I also was just kind of moved with some retailers out there that their products were really uh, differentiated by this pastel palette. Um, I also think there's a real organic uh, element out there, this whole nature-inspired uh, product-based uh, niche uh, that seems very fresh and different. Uh, and that organic element really stood out for me and I felt was quite fresh. Um, and, you know, I'd also say just this uh, appreciation for niche products. You know, uh, we saw, Maria, we saw some really great um, pool-based, patio-based products that were just fun <laughs> and different and reminded you that sometimes it's as simple as a swan-based pool float that can make mm-hmm. you stop dead in your tracks and go, mm-hmm. wow, that's great product. That's new. That's fresh. It's exciting. Exactly. I think that was one of my key takeaways, Kevin, is seeing product that made you just shop, take a second look and smile. I think that shopping has become so arduous for so many that to have that experience and bring the fun back to that experience is just so critical. And, of course, we we had the luxury of, of being with some of the best product in all of the country gathered in one place. So, uh, but I think that was the reason it was uh, so more impactful, you know, that it really made an impression, that there was a variety of product there that really caused you to take a second look. And I think that's what retail needs today is that ability to get customers, the guests, to stop and say, wait a minute, what is that? Let me investigate. Let me explore. Let me find this out for myself. And it becomes like a little mini adventure. And, again, it's part of that surprise of delight that we that we keep talking about. Um, we have about uh, 30 seconds left, so last question. Um, what should retailers keep top of mind this year so it's, a, it's better than last year? <laughs> to me, that is uh, the hardest question and, quite frankly, the easiest question to answer. 
Know your customer. Know your customer. Make it your business to really pay attention to your best customers, and not even just your best customers, but asking questions, making a concerted effort to find out what your guest tastes and likes are, and making that shopping experience feel thankful and appreciative. It seems so obvious, but we all know we're out there shopping. It's not that obvious. Mm-hmm. That's right. It, it isn't always obvious as to who the guest is that that, that retailer is hoping uh, to reach out to and impact, that's for sure. Kevin, I always wish I had an hour with my guests. You you definitely are one of those that fall into that category. So, sadly, we're going to have to wrap it up. Thank you for being on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure, and thanks for having me. Of course, and thanks to my producer, George, and please join me right here next week for another edition of First Rings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.